Welcome back to Parker's MMA Show. This is episode number nine. In this week's episode, we're going to review last weekend's fights. Went down in Tampa. And then we're going to look forward to you. Alrighty, got a little carried away with the uh, zombies entry there. So let's get into it. Here we go. Um, last week we had UFC Tampa. Ended up being a pretty good card up at the top. Um, I'm gonna run through just kind of all of the results, and then we'll dive into a couple of the fights here. So the headliner, Joanna Young J Chicks, taking on um, Michelle Waterson, the Karate Hottie. Uh, great fight, you know, Joanna was just better everywhere, and she really looks like she's back. She got the unanimous decision, 50-45, 50-45, and 49-46 in a five-round decision. Um, at featherweight, we had Cub Swanson taking on the undefeated Crone Gracie. Um, good fight. I think that ended up getting fight of the night. It was kind of a back-and-forth fight, but um, Cub was able to break his losing streak. He was on a four-fight Losing streak, so it's good to see Cub get back in the win column there. Uh, but good performance by both guys. Nico Price viciously knocked out James Vick one minute and 44 seconds into the first round with a up kick. Uh, for James Vick, that's four losses in a row, three of which have been by knockout. Um, not good for James Vick. That was his move up to welterweight. So. Good on Nico Price. Good knockout by him. And um, that guy's dangerous. Always exciting to watch. So Nico Price with the KO win. Uh, Amanda Rivas taking on Mackenzie Dern. Mackenzie Dern had been off for about a year after she had a kid. And she came back. A uh, tough fight to come back to. She really just got dominated everywhere um, by Rivas. Rivas looked like a really, really good striker. Um she takes a three-round decision. It was unanimous, 30-27, 30-27, and 30-27. Um, let me see. Marlon Vera, he was on the prelims, got another another win. That guy's going to be a problem at bantamweight. He gets a TKO uh, finish in the third round via e elbows and uh, punches. So look out for him. He's kind of flying up the rankings at uh, Bantamweight. I think he'll be a problem. Um, also on the prelims, we had some controversy with the Mike Davis versus Tom Gifford fight. Um, yeah, this is a hard one. We'll dive into this a little further. But basically, Thomas Gifford was just outclassed the entire time by Mike Davis. Um, the fight should have been stopped multiple times. And it's, it's just scary when you see something like that that gets dragged on you know, too long where someone could get hurt. Um, so we'll dive into that a little more. Fight of the night goes to Cub Swanson versus Crone Gracie. And then performance of the night, Nico Price and Marlon Vera. So all four of those guys get the 50 grand bonus. 
Let's dive into the first fight. So, Joanna versus Michelle Waterson. Um, for Joanna, this was a kind of a big crossroad. She came off the two losses to Rose, where she lost her title, and it seemed like the Joanna era was kind of coming to an end. Uh, but she was able to bounce back. She um, she looked really good. She kind of looked back to her old ways, and she really just dominated. Michelle Waterson from start to finish, um, which was very, very impressive. Michelle Waterson obviously was trying to make her run to the title. She had the big campaign to be the first mom champ. Um, so it was kind of sad to see her fall short. But I think Joanna is really back. Um, she broke her foot in the second round, and that, that was nasty. By the end of the fight... I mean, it was swollen to like three or four times the size of a normal foot. It was pretty, pretty nasty, but um, I mean, it's just really, it's vintage Joanna. She's back to just, she looks super confident. She looks super mean in there. She's tough as hell. Her striking looked incredible and um, she was able to really outclass Michelle. So this is a big win for Joanna. I think this throws her right back in the mix at 115. Obviously, you've got Rose, who's out, and then you've got Wei Ling Zing. I can't ever say that fucking name. Wei Ling Zhang, the current champion who just uh, finished Jessica Andrade in about 40 seconds. I think that's got to be the next fight for Joanna. That's got to be a huge, huge fight, and I think if Joanna can get that done then we might see Rose come back and, you know, be interested in a third fight with Joanna. So, um, good things there at Strawweight at 115. Um, they had the weird weirdness around the weight cut. I, you know, that ended up not being an issue. We talked about that last week leading up to the fight. But, um, yeah, I think that was maybe just a little bit of head games Joanna was playing. And it ended up being a no issue. They both made weight. Um, yeah, so, uh, for Karate Hottie, this was hard to see, um, you know, she's, she's a fighter, she's done it all, she's got a lot of big wins, she was a former Invicta champion, um, I, I just don't see a way for her to become a UFC champ, so, I don't know, she's a big name, she's headlined a lot of cards, maybe she'll hang around for a couple more fights, but, you know, she's got a lot of potential to do anything she wants. Modeling, broadcasting. I mean, she's a sharp, sharp woman. Good-looking girl. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what's next for her. But she was, she's just not on the level of Joanna. Um, so, yeah, great fight. I'll be looking forward to seeing how the UFC matches up Joanna. But she looked like she was back. She looked like... You know, she did when she was reigning the strawweight division and she was a 115 queen. She just looked confident, locked in. Her striking looked incredible. Her combos, you know, she looked really good. So, um, good for Joanna. I'm glad she's back. I think she's figured it all out. So, yeah, I'd like to see her get matched up against uh, Wei Ling Zhang for a title shot. Okay. Um, so, next, I want to talk about the Cub Swanson versus Quan Gracie. Um, Kron Gracie was undefeated. He was 5-0, and I believe, coming into this. Obviously, he's got the Gracie name behind him, which is a, you know, a huge name in mixed martial arts. Um, but he didn't 
It was, the way he fought was weird. I mean, he didn't really implement any of his jiu-jitsu. He, he kind of fought like a Diaz. You know, he fought like Nate or Nick Diaz. He he was just marching forward trying to walk Cub down, and he was taking a lot of damage. He was taking really, really heavy body shots. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what we learned about Con Gracie. Obviously, his jiu-jitsu is phenomenal, but... I don't think he's at the level of a Cub Swanson yet. Um, you know, he's he's tough as hell. It was it was very very interesting to see the amount of damage he was able to withstand. But his he he just wasn't able to get Cub to the ground. Um, you know, obviously Cub's a black belt jiu-jitsu practitioner as well. But I don't know. I I just thought that Kron would make a bigger attempt to try to get Cub down get the fight to the floor, try to take his back, see if he could work submissions, but he really didn't. It was just a just a striking match. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. I think um, for Kron, you know, he's obviously got a lot of talent. His his striking is decent, and his jiu-jitsu is phenomenal. So I think he just needs to work on his overall game plan a little bit more and, you know, maybe see what Ryan Hall's doing. Ryan Hall's a similar guy with an incredible background in jiu-jitsu and the way he fights is just way more intelligent he you know kind of stays on the outside kickboxing range um, does some really weird unorthodox stuff and then you know he'll do different stuff to get get the fight to the ground and work his submissions but it's not I mean Cub just try to or Kron just try to pull guard and that's not going to work with elite MMA fighters Um, so yeah Interesting, interesting fight. Um, it was really Kron's first test, and you know he came up short. Um, he he was protesting the fight, which I, you know, yeah, I, I I don't think anyone is on his side for that. I think Cub obviously outstruck him, did more damage, did more work. Um, you know, so for Kron, I, I'd like to see him keep improving. I, I think he could be an elite fighter. If he, you know, maybe goes to a big camp like a, you know, TriStar, like TriStar with for us a hobby would be awesome, kind of similar to what Ryan Hall's doing. You know, he he can just be really creative with the game plan and mix it up and find different ways to get the fight to the ground. So um, it'll be interesting to see what he does the next couple fights. But for Cub, um, this was kind of a must-win. He's coming off of one, two, three, four straight losses. Um, you know, obviously to top top tier people, but still four losses in a row in the UFC is not good, and it's not you know something that's going to keep you around if you keep that up. So, um, Cub Swanson, one of my favorite fighters, always always brings the action. He had. You know, the four four losses, like I said, but that was to Brian Ortega, then Frankie Edgar, then Hornato Morcano, and then Shane Burgos. Uh, he lost the decision, so it was good for Cub to get back in the win column. Um, I, I think, you know, he's getting older. He's 35 now. Um, you know, I, I think Cub, he's, people are always going to pay for him, pay to watch him fight. He's just a super, super entertaining fighter. So, it's good to see him back in the win column. Um, it'll be interesting to see where the UFC matches him up next. 
you know, I, I I think somewhere in the top ten, you know, around there would would be a good fight for Cub Swanson. So um, overall, great fight though, good back and forth fight. Um, let me see, Nico Price versus James Vick. Um, for James Vick, this is a huge kick in the nuts. Um, you know, he was a guy that. He was he was fighting at lightweight, and I believe at one point he was nine or ten and zero. And I mean, he's a big, big guy. I think he's like six four, six five, which at lightweight, that's you know that's crazy. That, that just gives him a lot of advantage, um, you know. But he's he's coming off of. Let me see. This will be. I think this is his fourth fight in a row where he's lost, and three of them have been very vicious knockouts. So, yeah, so he got knocked out back in 2018 by Justin Gaethje. That was a devastating knockout. Then he had a war with Paul Felder, where he took a lot of damage. And then, let me see, he got knocked out by Dan Hooker, uh, which I was actually at. That was down in San Antonio. And then he moves up to welterweight, and he gets viciously knocked out by an upkick from Nico Price. Um, he's in a tough spot. I, you know, I, I've seen it out there this week that maybe he's in jeopardy of getting cut. Um, I can see it. He he's kind of lost his way a little bit. Obviously, he was a guy that had a lot of potential, you know, rising up through lightweight, and he's just had a tough road. So. I, I don't really know where he goes from here. He he didn't really look like himself in the fight. You know, he to me, he kind of looked slow. Um, a little chinny. I, I know that was like a vicious, vicious knockout. But, he, I mean, he wasn't, you know, doing a lot of head movement. So, I don't know. I don't, I don't know where James Vick's at mentally right now. Um, it's going to be super hard to come back from those losses. Those are hard, hard losses and to me he looks a little gun shy right now he just doesn't look like you know himself when he was coming up through the rankings he he doesn't look like he has the ability to pull the trigger right now he looks kind of hesitant so a uh, big loss for James Vick but that's how the sport goes it's a brutal brutal sport and I mean I, I think he's just going to be one of those guys. I, I don't think he's going to be able to stay in the top 10 at, you know, lightweight or welterweight. Um, so, yeah, bad, bad loss for James Vick. Uh, for Nico Price, he's – Nico Price next to Tony Ferguson is – he's just one of those guys that can finish you from everywhere. He's super, super unorthodox. Um, he fights weird. He's got a weird, weird body. Um, but yeah, he can finish the fight from anywhere. Um, you know, he's got submissions. He's got a couple knockouts now off his back. Um, so he, he's an interesting guy to watch. He got the, got the performance of the night. So good for him. Um, but yeah, he, he was coming off a loss to Jeff Neal, which I think a lot of people are high on Jeff Neal. Um, so it'd be interesting to see. Where Nico Price goes from here, he's a talented dude. Let me see how old he is. He's 30 years old, so he's still you know young, relatively young. Um, but yeah, he he keeps getting better. You know, every time I've seen him 
it's it's a fun fight and he's just he's very awkward he can he can hurt you from a lot of different places so a uh, good win for nico price i think that's that's the first upkick knockout i've seen and maybe ever uh live so yeah that was a good win for nico price um Moving on, we had Amanda Rivas taking on Mackenzie Duran. So Mackenzie Duran, similar to Cron Gracie, um, has a lot of hype behind her as this kind of jiu-jitsu, you know, phenom. She comes from a big, big uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu background. Um, it's kind of the same thing. I mean, she was just outclassed everywhere by Amanda Rivas. Um, you know, yeah, I, I just, I don't think she's on the level of some of these girls up at 115. I, I just think, you know, her striking is not there. Obviously, if it goes to the ground, she's super dangerous. But, you know, besides that, I I just don't think she's on the level of some of these other girls. Um, in this fight, she was just outclassed everywhere. So... You know, and, and the UFC, people are kind of bitching about the matchmaking with uh, Mackenzie Duran and Kron Gracie. But the bottom line is that it's not, this is not Bellator. You know, they're not going to build you up. They're going to feed you to the wolves and only the strongest are going to survive. So it kind of is what it is. I mean, you can't shelter these, these people that, you know, have potential to be big stars forever. If their skills aren't there, they're going to get exposed. And, and that's... Kind of what happened to Mackenzie Dern. You know, she fought tough, similar to Kron Gracie, but she was just a step behind everywhere. She was throwing, you know, big, big bombs, and they weren't even coming close. And then, you know, she just wasn't able to get the fight to the ground at all. So um, she's she's a talented fighter. You know, I think she's got some potential. Um, she's still, you know, relatively young. She's 26 years old, so... Yeah, she's got some time to grow and and get back to it. And, you know, I think she can make a splash at straw weight. Just based off of, you know, her pedigree of jiu-jitsu, I think she'll be able to hang around the top ten and maybe put a couple fights together. But, um, alrighty, next I want to dive into the Mike Davis versus Thomas Gifford fight. Um, this was a little contra- controversial. Um, Thomas Gifford was just taking a lot, a lot of damage. And was just really getting outclassed by Mike Davis. Um, a lot of people are ragging the coach as well as the referee. The referee was Andrew Glenn. Um, he actually got pulled from refing the refs of the night. I think he got pulled from maybe the Kron Gracie fight. And got replaced with Herb Dean. Um, yeah, I, I don't... Obviously, he was getting his ass kicked. And the fighter's not going to throw in the towel. Uh, the fighters are going to fight until they can't. That's how they made it to this level. I mean, anyone at the top level is not going to quit. This really falls on the ref and the coach. The first round, I thought the ref could have stopped the fight maybe twice. Um, for sure, in the last minute, he was just getting his face beat in and just taking a lot of damage. Uh, Trevor Whitman, who I really like what he's doing. He's Justin Gaethje's coach and helps Thug Rose Nami Yunus. Um, great, great, brilliant mind as a coach. But 
he was doing some commentary as like a you know kind of sideline reporter type thing like they do in football but he made a comment um once your neck starts going limp and your head is just pinging all over the place that's when you're in trouble that's when you're not there that's when you're wobbled and rocked and that was happening a lot i mean he probably took you know 10 or 12 just really really heavy head shots in that first round where i thought the referee should have stopped it um after that there wasn't for me a super clear moment where the where the ref you know could stepped in and stopped the fight after that i think it's really on the coach who was mark montoya who's um anthony lionheart smith's coach and then he had thomas gifford had his father in the corner too um you know, the second and third round, I think that falls on those guys to step in and stop the fight. Your fighter is just getting outclassed and just taking a beating. Um, you know, he's a young guy. I, I think I think for Gifford and his corner, you got to let your fighter live another day. Um, you've seen, you know, we'll talk about this later, but what just happened in boxing with Patrick Day. And a couple, couple months ago, another boxing fighter, you know, went into a coma and then died. Um, we're talking about head trauma here. This is serious, serious business. Um, you're getting punched over and over in the head with four ounce gloves. It's dangerous. It's really fucking dangerous. So I, I was disappointed. I think Mark Montoya is one of the best coaches in the game, obviously. But I mean, you can see even, even if you're one of the best coaches in the game, you can make, you can make you know, poor decisions and those poor decisions can end up hurting the fighter and, you know, taking years off his life. Um, you know, so that, that was the first round I'll say was on the ref. I think the ref could have stopped it, stepped in, stopped that fight. He was just getting pounded and took a lot of unnecessary shots. Um, to Thomas Gifford's credit, he was able, you know, to do enough to stay in the fight he was able to get close on a couple takedowns. He landed a couple good exchanges, but I mean, he was just outclassed the entire time. So, yeah, for me, um, the coaches have to stop that fight in the second and third round. He's just getting his ass kicked, and he ends up getting knocked out brutally. It was it was hard to watch. He uh, took a heavy shot, and then I think it was a right, a straight right, and he just went face first, planted on the canvas, and. Yeah, that was that was a hard one to watch, but apparently, you know, he went to the hospital afterwards and got MRIs and CAT scans and everything was fine. So, um, scary moment there. You hate to see that, especially like I said with, you know, the last couple deaths we've had in boxing. Um, you just got to be careful of that and don't roll the dice on head trauma. Um, if your fighters getting out of class and out of the fight, you got to be responsible as a coach and step in and end the fight. Let your fighter fight another day. So that was disturbing um, to watch. But for Mike Gifford, great performance. Obviously, he took the fight on four days' notice, and he looked fucking incredible. Um, you know, he, he was putting heavy, heavy combos together. His speed looked incredible. Um, so great fight for Mike Davis. Um, so that's all I'm going to say about that. But uh, what else we got on this card? Uh, Marlon Vera had another nice TKO. Marlon Vera, is he's a scary fighter. I think he's going to be a problem at bantamweight. 
he got the 50k bonus for for uh, performance of the night. So good for Marlon Vera. I always like watching him fight. So we'll we'll uh, keep an eye out for him here in the next couple of years. I think he'll make a pretty big climb up through those rankings there at bantamweight. Um, briefly, I want to talk about uh, one championships. I didn't get a chance to watch these. I watched the highlights. We had um, they had two cards. They had what did they call it? Uh, Century one and Century two. In the main event, we had Brandon Vera, who's a ex UFC guy, taking on I can't say this guy's name, A Young Law In Sang. He's a a big, you know, famous fighter over in Asia. Um, but these guys seem to kind of go to war a little bit, and Brandon Vera ends up getting knocked out. So, um, interesting fight. I'm going to try to tune in a little more to one championships. I, I really, I like the way they're putting things together. They have multiple different types of fights on one card. So they will have, you know, kickboxing fight, a Muay Thai fight. Uh, they'll have jujitsu grappling matches and then they'll have straight MMA fights. So I think that's, you know, that's interesting the way they're doing that. Um, but yeah, Brandon Vera got knocked out there. Let me see. So that was Brandon Vera as a heavyweight champion over there. He was moving down to try to get a second belt over there. And uh, here we go. Here's his nickname is the Burmese Python. So he's the middleweight and the light heavyweight champion over at one championship. So, um, yeah, good fight. I, I just, Like I said, I watched the highlights. Um, and then you had Mighty Mouse. Mighty Mouse Johnson, obviously former UFC great, made his move over to one championship in the trade for Ben Askren. Um, so he headlined the Century Part 1, and he won the Flyweight Grand Prix. So good win for Mighty Mouse Johnson. Um, obviously one of the greats of all time. Um it's been kind of hard having him over at 1FC because you don't get a lot of coverage of him. I think he's fought, you know, two or three times over there. And you don't get the coverage in America. So I, I think he's kind of flying under the radar right now. But to me, he's still one of the best in the pound-for-pound pound rankings. He's, he's a phenomenal fighter. And, you know, I, I think when he was in the UFC, it was just... He didn't really fight any big names. He fought at flyweight, um, you know. So I, I think people kind of took him for granted while he was in the UFC. But he's incredible. He's one of my favorite fighters to watch. Um, so it'll be interesting. I, I don't know if he'll ever make a return to the UFC. You know, he's getting older. I, I think now he's. Let me look it up. I think he's probably, you know, thirty four, thirty five, something like that. Let me see. Yeah, he's 33, so he's still got some good years to go, but I think he's happy over there at one championship. He's making a shitload of money. He's fighting, you know, good competition, but not probably the level he would be fighting over in the UFC. Um, So good for Mighty Mouse Johnson. Gets another title and keeps it rolling. So moving on... um, yeah, I wanted to just look at the current pound for pound because that, that was kind of a debate. 
over the weekend after Mighty Mouse fought. They've so they've got Mighty Mouse at three. You've got John Jones at one, Henry Cejudo at two, Mighty Mouse at three. That's a little high for Henry Cejudo for me, but um, Khabib at four, that makes sense. Stipe at five, Kamara Usman at six. Man, Kamara Usman ahead of DC, Max Holloway, and Tony Ferguson. I don't know about that one. Then you've got Israel Adesanya, 10, Joey Benavides, 11. Yeah, Joey Benavides versus Henry Cejudo. That needs to be the next fight at flyweight. Um, that's a great fight. So I hope they make that. Um, okay, this weekend we've got UFC Boston. Um, this, this is a Friday night card. It's going to be on Big ESPN. I think the prelims are probably... Yeah, they're all on ESPN2. So the prelims and the main card, ESPN2. Um, a lot, I think there's going to be a lot of knockouts on this, this card. A lot of knockouts, a lot of finishes, um, some big fights. I just want to roll through real quick, um, the card, and then we'll dive into a couple of these fights. So up at the top, you've got Chris Weidman making his debut at light heavyweight. He's taking on Dominic Reyes. Uh, interesting fight. Dominic Reyes on a roll. You know, young, talented, up-and-coming light heavyweight taking on veteran, former champion, middleweight champion, Chris Weidman. Interesting, interesting fight. Um, it's going to tell you a lot, a lot for what's going to happen with light heavyweight. Next, we've got Yair Rodriguez versus Jeremy Stevens. Um, these guys are going to run it back. So, featherweight, Yair Rodriguez, Jeremy Stevens, um, Yair number seven, Jeremy Stevens, number eight. Jeremy Stevens, a vet. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. Um, fought everyone. Savage. Animal. Uh, psycho. I love Jeremy Stevens. He's one of my favorite fighters to watch. And then Yaya Rodriguez. Um, super, super talented guy. Obviously, um, from Mexico, if he could get a couple you know, wins in a row behind him... I think he could be a huge star. He's got a lot of potential. He's very flashy. Um, so, yeah, but this is the kind of the first big test for Yair. Um, you know, they had they were scheduled to fight a couple weekends ago at Mexico City. And we covered that. It was kind of a shit show. Um, Yair Rodriguez poked Jeremy Stevens in the eye. Probably... 15, 20 seconds into the fight, and then kind of all hell broke loose. You had Yair kind of going crazy, you know, in the octagon. The UFC, all the security is trying to escort Jeremy Stevens out. He's getting hammered with beer, coins, people throwing punches at him. Uh, it was kind of a shit show, bad look for Mexico City. Um, but it's time for him to run it back. I, you know, I, I think. All the shit that went down there really built up a lot of bad blood. Um, I've seen it, you know, especially in Jeremy Stevens this weekend or this week, you know, leading up to the fight and all the interviews. He just seems like he's on edge and he's he, he wants to get in there and kill Yair. So um, that'll be that'll be really interesting to see how that fight plays out. 
All right. Also on the main card, you've got Greg Hardy taking on Ben Sosali. Uh, don't know a lot about Ben Sosali. I think UFC is just trying to set Greg Hardy up for another knockout win. So uh, Greg Hardy, always excited to watch. You know, expect heavy, heavy shots. Him trying to take this dude's head off. Uh, Joe Lozon, veteran legend Joe Lo- Lozon, fighting in front of his hometown in Boston. He's taking on Jonathan Pierce. Uh, don't know a lot about Jonathan Pierce. Macy Barber versus Jillian Roberts. Um, this is a matchup of you know two young girls at I believe they're fighting 125. Yeah, women's flyweight. Um, should be a good fight. We'll we'll kind of dive into that one here in a little bit. Um, Darren Wynn. Darren Wynn is kind of the protege of um, DC. So he kind of looks like DC, smaller guy, fights at, I believe he fights at middleweight. Yeah. Um, oh, he missed weight. So he weighed in at 188.5 for his upcoming fight against Darren Stewart. Uh, Darren Stewart can crack. That's the dude. What is his nickname? He's got a stupid nickname. Yeah, the dentist. Darren, the dentist. Stewart. Um, he's exciting. He always has, you know, some some crazy knockouts. And then, um, you know, Darren Stewart, Darren Wynn is kind of a well-rounded fighter. Obviously, like I said, trains with Khabib and DC. Um, on the prelims, let me see if there's any other notable fights. Um, oh, Kyle Bokniak. I like him. Um he was a dude that had a crazy, crazy fight with uh, Zabit probably a year and a half ago. So uh, he's always fun. Let me see. Yeah, so a uh, good card, especially uh, the main event. You know, the main card's pretty good. There's some fun fights on the prelims. So let's dive into these fights a little bit. Um, Dominic Reyes versus Chris Weidman. This is a big, big fight. Um, this is going to be Chris Weidman's first fight up at light heavyweight. Chris Weidman, obviously, former champion. He was the first one to kind of knock off Anderson Silva, and then he had a nice little reign. Let me run through his record real quick. Okay. So, yeah. Leading up to the Anderson Silva fight that was back in July of 2013, he was undefeated. Um, so he fought Anderson Silva when he was 9 0. And he was basically the first person to crack the code of Anderson Silva. So he went, wins the UFC middleweight championship, gets knockout of the night, knockout of the year. You see that knockout on every highlight ever. It's the one where Anderson Silva is kind of showboating, doing what he does, and then Chris Weidman just catches him with the bomb and puts him away. So he knocks out Anderson Silva in the second round. Uh, the second fight, Anderson Silva broke his leg, um, you know, so he wasn't able to continue, and Chris Weidman won by TKO due to the leg break. Uh, after that, he retained, so he retained the title one, two, three times. He beat Leota Machida, knocked out, um, let me see, Vitor Belfort. And then he lost his title back in December of 2015 to Luke Rockhold, who's, you know, kind of his rival. Um, after that, he went on a three-fight skid, or sorry, two fights after that more. He got knocked out 
Crazy Crazy Flying Knee by Yoel Romero. Then he got knocked out by Gegard Mousasi. Um, he beat Kev- Kelvin Gastelum. He submitted him with an arm triangle. We've seen, you know, how good Kelvin Gastelum is. So that's very impressive. That was back in 2017 um, in his home state in New York. And then he got knocked out by Jacare. So, I mean, his losses, you know, Rockholt, Romero, Musasi, Jacare, no slouches. I mean, that, those guys are, every one of them are world-class fighters, um, you know. So, for Weidman, I mean, he's, a, he's still, I think he's still a high-level fighter. I, I don't know if he's, you know, at, still as good as he was, you know, back when he was a middleweight champion. But it'll be interesting to see what the move up to light heavyweight does. If he can get a win here, um, you know, I, I think he, he'll automatically get the next fight against John Jones. He's a huge name, obviously former, multiple-time middleweight champion. And if he can really get a win here, get some steam going, that's a huge, huge money fight for John Jones. That's probably... You know, that's going to be the biggest name that he can get right now at light heavyweight would be Chris Weidman. So, a lot of pressure on Weidman here. I think this is, this could be kind of a turning point in his career. He's getting older. He's 35 years old, which, you know, light heavyweight, heavyweight, it's not super old, but it's not young. I mean, he's got, you know, probably a two or three year window to get in and make some noise and go on a run here. Um... You know, matchup-wise, I, I always said I thought Chris Weidman or Luke Rockhold would be a good matchup, you know, for John Jones with the light heavyweight division kind of, you know, being relatively young now and there's not a lot of big names there. I thought those were the two guys that could move up and make some noise and give John some competition. Obviously, we saw what happened to Luke Rockhold. He got viciously knocked out by Jan Blahovic Blho- on his move up to light heavyweight. So... Yeah, I'm excited for Weidman. Um, let's see. Um, for Dom Reyes? Hmm. I mean, Dom Reyes is a very, very talented dude. He's He's been on, I believe he's undefeated. Let's pull up his record. Dominic Reyes. So, I mean, he's tall. Linky, kind of athletic guy. I think he was a former football player, I believe. Yeah, he, he played college football. Um, super athletic guy. He's undefeated, 11-0. and 0. Um, No huge names, you know, that he's beat. He, he had a nice win against Jared Cannonier back when Jared Cannonier was at light heavyweight, which is more impressive now after you've seen kind of what Cannonier has done. Um, with his move down to middleweight. Um, Oven St. Prue, he won a decision. And then Vulcan Ostemir, that was his most recent fight. That was back in March. Uh, that was a three-round split decision. I actually thought he lost that fight. Um, you know, and I think a lot of other people did. It was a close fight, but I don't think he did much to win. Um, so... I'll make I'll make a pick on these couple fights, but um, you know overall what what I think of Dom Reyes, I, I think he's athletic, you know, good striker, um, 
you know, I, I think Weidman is superior in wrestling, grappling, jiu-jitsu. And we, we kind of went over the list of people that Weidman's fought. So Weidman's fought some, you know, serious strikers, some of the best ever at middleweight. So I, I don't think that's, you know, he, he's not going to be able to overwhelm Weidman with his striking. Um, okay, so for Weidman to win, I think he needs to kind of close the distance, uh, get in tight, kind of beat up Don Reyes, wear him down, uh, stretch the fight into the third, fourth, fifth round, and then, you know, start implementing his jiu-jitsu, his wrestling, um, beat him up on the ground. Chris Weidman's got really, really good ground and pound. So... I, I think that's what Weidman needs to do to win. Um, you know, I think Dominic Reyes is like a blue belt in jiu-jitsu, and Chris Weidman is a top, top-level black belt, trains under Ray Longo, Matt Serra. So he's going to be far superior if the fight hits the ground, and I, I think it will. Um, for Dominic Reyes, he's got to keep Weidman at kickboxing range and just try to work his combinations, work his kickboxing, and I think his best bet is to catch Weidman, you know, with a big knee or maybe an uppercut when he's coming in trying to shoot. Um, pick for this fight, like I said, I, I think this is kind of a pivotal point in the career of Chris Weidman. So I think this is a must win for Chris Weidman. Um, I'm going to go third to fourth round submission for Chris Weidman. I think he's just going to be able to extend the fight. Um, like we talked about earlier, I mean, Chris Weidman's an elite, elite fighter. Every fight he's lost has been to top-level competition, and pretty much he was winning every single one of those fights. He just did made a mistake and got caught and got finished. Um, so for Chris Weidman, he needs to close the distance, get a hold of Dominic Reyes, don't make any stupid mistakes where he's going to get caught or get clipped. Um, drag the fight into deep rounds. And then I think he needs to work his ground game. Get him to the ground, beat him up, and look for a submission. So official pick, Chris Weidman. Third to fourth round submission. All right, next up we got Yair Rodriguez versus Jeremy Stevens. Uh, like I said earlier, this was scheduled for a couple weeks ago. And it was headlining the uh, UFC Mexico City card. Uh, unfortunately, it was ended with a eye poke, no contest. Yair Rodriguez poked Jeremy Stevens in the eye, and Jeremy Stevens wasn't able to continue after the five minutes. So, uh, really, I've been really looking forward to this fight, the rematch. I think this is going to be a great fight. Um, like we said earlier, Jeremy Stevens is a fucking savage, 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 um, bad motherfucker belt. Needs to get Jeremy Stevens in there. He's he's an animal. He's been fighting professionally since he was, you know, 17, 18 years old. Um, so, yeah, one of my favorite fighters. Just a vicious, vicious throwback, nasty fighter. Yeah, Jeremy Stevens got 45 professional fights. Some of the people he's fought. Zabit, Jose Aldo, Josh Emmett, Duhu Choi. Gilbert Melinda, Gilbert Melendez, Frankie Edgar, Hanato Mokano, Hinnan Burrell, Max Holloway, Dennis Bermudez, K1 
Cowboy Oliveira, Cub Swanson, Darren Elkins, Eve Edwards, Cowboy Cerrone, Anthony Pettis, Melvin Gillard, RDA, Joe Lozon, Dan Thomas. So, I mean, Jeremy Stevens has fought everyone, you know, at featherweight. He's been around forever. Um, this is this is going to be a huge test for Yair. You know, I think Yair kind of had a weird last couple years. He had he had the deal where he got cut from the UFC because I think he was refusing to fight Zabit when both of them were you know kind of coming up. Um, so Yair, he's got some decent wins in the UFC. He's eleven and two. Um, he's got wins against Dan Hooker, which is, you know, impressive just after seeing what Dan Hooker's been able to do up at lightweight. Andre Feely, uh, same thing. Andre Feely's been on a run at featherweight. Uh, BJ Penn, obviously that was, he knocked out BJ Penn, but that was not competitive at all. Um, that was BJ Penn, you know, way, way out of his prime. Um, he got his ass kicked by Frankie Edgar. Frankie Edgar was able, I was at that fight, that was in Dallas, and that was back in 2017, and that was brutal. That was the fight where, uh, I mean, Frankie Edgar took him to the ground and just beat the living shit out of him for, I think it was two rounds, and then the doctor ended up stopping it. Um, So, after that, he had kind of a back-and-forth war with the Korean Zombie where he had that crazy, crazy walk-off um, elbow. You know, the literally the last second of the fifth round, and he knocked out Korean Zombie. Uh, and then after that, you know, he had the, the eye poke with Jeremy Stevens. So, um, really excited for this fight. This is going to be a great fight. The build-up's been awesome. Obviously, the controversy surrounding the Mexico City card... You, you know, Jeremy got poked in the eye. He was unable to continue. He got escorted out. He's getting beers and coins and shit thrown at him and people throwing punches at him. And then I, I don't like the way that Yair Rodriguez handled it. He didn't handle it very respectfully. Um, he, he's just kind of being kind of an arrogant prick, I thought. Um, and this week, I mean, Jeremy Stevens looks super, super dialed in. Uh, he had vicious uh, statement he said if he doesn't die it doesn't count that was pretty hardcore um so yeah i think this this is going to be your fight of the night the odds i think it's pretty much a pick em fight so i'm gonna roll with jeremy stevens i i i just think he's a savage I, and i don't I don't think Yair's been tested by anyone like Jeremy Stevens yet. Jeremy Stevens, for that weight class, has crazy, crazy power. And, I mean, he's looking to switch the lights off. Um, So, official pick. I think it's going to be a good fight. I think it's going to be a back and forth, you know, for probably the first one, two, three rounds. You know, the first first two rounds for sure. And then I think I'm going to be looking for a... Maybe second to third round knockout, Jeremy Stevens. Um, gonna land a big bomb and put him away. So I've got Jeremy Stevens in that pit, in that fight. Um, next, we've got Greg Hardy taking on Ben Sosoli. Uh, don't know a lot about Ben Sosoli. Greg Hardy, obviously, everyone knows his past. Former NFL player has kind of a 
rocky patch of some domestic violence and uh, ugly stuff like that. But ever since he's gotten to the UFC, he's, I mean, he's a scary, scary guy. He's obviously a super athlete. He was an all-pro football player. So making the transition to UFC, he's fighting in the light heavyweight division. He's still young. He's 31 years old. Um, he's been exciting to watch. The UFC has they've raised him up, you know, kind of through some smaller organizations, and then he fought twice on the Dana Dana White Contender Series. So basically, he's got one, two, three, four, five, six. Seven, eight first round knockouts. Um, so yeah, look, <laughs> look for Greg Hardy to knock out another dude in the first round. Um, I mentioned earlier with Crone Gracie and Mackenzie Duran that the UFC doesn't do a great job of raising people up, you know, bringing them on slowly to become a superstar just because that's not what they do. The, you know, you, you got 600 fighters on the roster and all of them are the best of the best. So, you're not going to really get any tune-up fights or easy fights to work your way to the top. That's not how it works. Um, so, yeah, Greg Hardy's undefeated. He had the one weird um, no contest where he got disqualified for an illegal knee. That was just, to me, I mean, that was kind of inexperienced. He, you know, needed a down opponent. You know, he probably would have knocked the guy out. So... Uh, Greg Hardy, yeah, exciting, exciting fighter. You know, when he gets in there, it's it's very intimidating. No one puts on the psycho face like Greg Hardy. So I'll be looking for a first-round knockout, Greg Hardy. That's what I'm rolling with. And then hopefully after this, they'll give him a top 10, top, maybe top 10, top 15 fight. Uh, currently, he's unranked. Let me see who's in... That top 15 range. Uh, Todd Duffy. That'd be an interesting next fight for him. Ty Tulavasa. Obviously, we talked about Ty last week. He's got three straight losses, but that would be a fucking banger. Um, you know, you get into the top 10, you've got some guys that can wrestle. So it gets a little dicey. But, you know, I think Greg Hardy's probably two or three wins away from from getting a you know top 10 to top five opponent i'd really like to see him fight Derek lewis Derek lewis is fighting november 2nd on that bad motherfucker card so uh that's a fun fight down the road Derek lewis has talked a lot of shit about greg hardy and his past um and Derek lewis can knock anyone the fuck out so uh, that would be a banger like i said taito lavasa um Todd Duffy, that'd be another fun fight. So, yeah, I, I think Greg Hardy will get a first-round knockout, and then the UFC is going to have to start giving him some actual fights and not just feeding him all these bums to knock out. But I think this is, like, his fourth fight on Big ESPN. So I, I think they just kind of use his name because it's a, you know, he's got a name, and they put him on these cards to try to get some nasty knockouts, and he has been. So... Uh, good for Greg Hardy, making a little bit of a comeback here in his life. Uh, next, let me see. Uh, Jillian Roberts. Jill, sorry, Jillian Robertson versus Macy Barber. Um, 
this is kind of a low key. You got two smoke shows coming up. Um, Macy Barber, undefeated, uh, super talented. I, I've watched several of her fights, but she has, you know, kind of has it all. I think she has the potential to be a, a big star. She's been on record, you know, saying she wants to be the youngest champion in UFC history. She wants to take take down John Jones. Um, you know, in, in that in that regard, she wants to be the youngest champion ever. So she's 21 years old. I think she's got just over two years to get it done. Uh, not a huge stretch, and I think that it could definitely be done here. Um, you know, both of these girls, their list came out last week. It was the top 25 fighters under 25. So let me see who all rounded out that list. Yeah, so ESPN released this list last week. Uh, he had some big names at the top. Obviously, AJ McKee, we've talked about before. Bellator fighter, 15-0. Sugar Sean O'Malley should be making his comeback. He's, let's see, turns 25 in October. Um, Aspen Ladd, talented young fighter as well. She was number four. And then they had Macy Barber at number six. Um yeah, I, I like Macy Barber. She's 2-0 in the UFC, two finishes. Uh, Jillian Roberts, also, she's, you know, she's a finisher. I think she's finished seven fights in the UFC. Let's see where they had her. They had her at number 12. So, she's got a cool look about her. Redhead. Um, her nickname's The Savage. Let me see. Yeah, every, every UFC she fight she has is you know basically been a finish so interesting the UFC would match these two girls up they're you know kind of obviously both on the rise younger younger girls a lot of potential um so I think that will be a fun fight I think Macy Barber is better overall you know I think she's a better overall fighter um Jillian Roberts her strengths the ground game so I don't know. It'll be interesting. Um, Macy Barber, though, I, I think she has the potential to be a really big star. If she can get, you know, two or three more wins, um, I think the UFC will really get behind her and make her a huge star. So for that fight, I'm going to go uh, Macy Barber, second round finish. I think she gets the TKO. Um, yeah, we'll roll with Macy Barber on that one. Okay. Let me see. Uh, another fight to look out for. Kyle Bokniak, uh, Boston guy, savage, great fighter. Um, just kind of a brawler, always brings action. His fight with Zabit, if you haven't seen that, you need to go back and watch that incredible fight. But he's fighting on the prelims, so I'll tune in, uh, check that one out. All right, uh, so that's it for UFC Boston. That goes down tomorrow, Friday night. Everyone tune in. That's going to be a good card. Um, this weekend, we've got bare knuckle fights. That's on Saturday. We've got Bigfoot Silva taking on Gabriel Gonzaga. That's a freak show fight. Obviously, these guys both had history in the UFC, uh, heavyweights. Bigfoot Silva looks like a, I don't know what he looks like. He's got the biggest head I've ever seen. He's just a giant human. And then Gabriel Gonzaga is probably the hairiest man who's ever fought in the UFC. Uh, someone's getting knocked the fuck out in this fight. 
bare knuckle fighting is <clears throat> I'll probably tune in because I'm a psycho and I'll watch this shit but uh yeah someone's going to sleep in that fight uh, I don't <laughs> heavyweight bare knuckle boxing is going to be very very violent so uh, that's going down Saturday, and then you've got Julian Lane taking on Jim Alders. Uh, Julian Lane had some time in the UFC. He's kind of a brawler, uh, kind of wild guy, um, but he always puts on good fights. So, yeah, watch out for that. Um, let's dive into some current events here. Okay, so yesterday we had Conor McGregor back in the news calling out Frankie Edgar. Um, they're saying December, so I'm assuming this is going to go on the Max Holloway card, is the rumor. Um, if so, that's a huge, huge addition to that card. Let me see who all is on that card. UFC December. Okay. So that would be UFC 245. Um, if they were able to add that. McGregor to that card, that is a stack card. That's going to be the card of the year. You've got Usman taking on Covington. That's at the top. Max Holloway versus Volkanowski. And then you've got Amanda Nunes taking on GDR. Uh, yeah. I don't see why you couldn't have McGregor headline that. McGregor is a bigger star than any of those guys. Um, they don't usually do non-title fights at the top, but... Uh, for Conor McGregor, obviously, they would make an exception. I think that would be a huge, huge fight to close out 2019. Let me see. I think that's the last fight of 2019. Let me see. Well, it's definitely the last pay-per-view of 2019. So, yeah, that that's the rumor. You know, I, I assume it's going to be at 155. Obviously, Frankie had been fighting at 145 and then moved down to 135 recently. He wanted to make another run for another belt. Um, so, you know, Frankie Edgar is a veteran. McGregor said he's got a lot of respect for him, but I, I think it's probably the safest fight McGregor could take right now. He, he's got to get back in the mix somehow. Um, if he can go in there and knock out Frankie Edgar... You know, I, he's right back in there, and he's gonna. They're gonna start throwing him around in title discussion. You know, whether it's fighting Nate or George Masvidal at one seventy, or fighting Khabib or Tony Ferguson at one fifty five. You know, super fight with Max. I, I I don't know. It just it sets up a lot of big fights, and it's really it's the safest fight for McGregor right now. You know, he doesn't want to fight Gaethje. Gaethje's dangerous. Gaethje's going to hurt him. Gaethje would probably finish him. You know, uh, Dustin Poirier, that was the other rumor out there. Dustin Poirier's coming off a very disappointing loss to Khabib. So that's a dangerous fight for McGregor. Um, so strategically, I think a lot of people are going to shit on him for selecting Frankie, which is, you know, crazy. Frankie's a legend. He's been around forever. He's still, he's older, but he's still one of the best fighters in the world. But, um, I think it's smart for McGregor. It's the safest fight for him to get back in the mix, get a win against Frankie, and then he has all the options, you know. So I, I really hope they can make that happen. Um, you know, anytime Connor's fighting, it's a huge fight. Um, 
the sports different, the sports buzzing, the the press that the UFC is going to get. It's going to be huge. So it'll be really good to have Connor back. I, you know, he's been out since that Khabib fight, and he's had a lot of legal issues. I I think to make all that shit go away, he just needs to come back. He needs to fight. He needs to get a win. And I really, really hope they can make that happen. Um, so let me read the tweet here. Connor. So when was this? This was yesterday. Connor goes, happy birthday, Frankie. See you in December. Frankie responds, thanks, pal. I already said yes. It's on you and Dana White to make it happen. Connor responds, thank you. Go white, make the bout. Give my purse to charity, first responders, one for all, at Proper Whiskey. So, all right, let's go. I mean, if they can make that fight, that that card is gigantic. And then Conor McGregor's back. And we're rolling. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was some news. Um, let me see what else. So, uh, last week as well, Cain Velasquez retired from Mixed Martial Arts and is going to pursue a career in wrestling. Uh, Good for Cain. You know, he had a phenomenal, phenomenal career. Um, You know, obviously was marred a little bit by injuries. Um, You know, at one point he was best pound-for-pound fighter in the world. I think if he could have stayed healthy, he, he would have went down as, you know, the best, hands down, the best heavyweight ever. But I think he's still in the in the conversation. You know, primetime Kane had some amazing, amazing wins. Uh, beat Czech Congo, Ben Roth, Rothwell, Big Nogueira, Brock Lesnar, uh, Bigfoot Silva, JDS, Bigfoot Silva again, JDS again, beat Travis Brown, and then he's got the the losses to JDS in their first fight. Um, Cain Velasquez, the fight that was in Mexico City at high altitude where he just struggled, didn't look like himself. And then he got knocked out earlier this year in his return against Francis Ngannou. But, um, you know, for me, Cain's going to go down as a top five heavyweight. Um, it'll be interesting to see you know, how Stipe and DC's careers finish out. But for me, um, you know, I think Stipe won, Fedor number two, you know, and then you got Kane and DC right there at, you know, three and four. Both of them, obviously teammates, good friends, um, incredible, incredible career for Kane. So, um, yeah, that, that went down. I, I think he's scheduled. I, I don't follow wrestling, but I think they're building him up for a rematch in wrestling against Brock Lesnar. Um, you know, I'm sure that'll do good business. And I wish the best for Kane. Uh, he was one of my favorite fighters in his prime. And yeah, so uh, great career for Kane. I wish him the best in wrestling. Um, Next up, we had John Jones versus Rumble Johnson talking shit. Uh, this is a great fight. Like I said, it'll be kind of interesting. Uh, the next couple, you know, you got a lot of fights at light heavyweight this week. Obviously, we got uh, Chris Weidman. You got Dom Reyes. And then on the bad motherfucker card, we got Corey Anderson, Johnny Walker. Let's see who else is fighting at light heavyweight. 
Yeah, so you got the those fights coming up. So the next month or so, I think light heavyweight's going to start moving along. But uh, so Rumble Johnson made his announcement that he's he's going to come back. Uh, Rumble Johnson, obviously crazy crazy power. He's you know kind of the Francis Ngannou of light heavyweight. But he was on Brendan Schaub's show last week, and I think everyone was kind of expecting him to come back and fight at heavyweight because he had gotten so big. I, you know, I think he was bodybuilding, and he was up to like 295 pounds or something crazy of just straight muscle. Um, but he hinted that you know if he could get back in the 230s or around there, that he would make a run at light heavyweight. So. Uh, that was very interesting. It'll be, you know, it'd be crazy to see how that plays out. But um, him and John had a little bit of a back and forth. He said, John goes, we've always been cool, but I'll be more than happy to choke you out if that's what you're looking for, at Rumble Johnson. He said, you better make sure that cardio is together, big fella, at Rumble Johnson. So um, that's a huge fight, you know, down the road. I think <clears throat> Rumble will probably come back and fight at heavyweight. You know, maybe he takes on Derek Lewis or Francis Ngannou. Um, if he can get a win there, I think he'll have some options. I think, you know, Rumble versus Stipe is a huge fight. Rumble versus John at heavyweight or light heavyweight is a huge fight. So it'll be interesting to get Rumble Johnson back in the mix. Obviously, incredible, crazy, crazy power. Um, really hasn't lost to anyone you know, but DC. Um, so yeah, he had the two two shots at the title. He fell short both times to DC, and then he had some other. You know, I think he's got six total losses uh, throughout his career. A lot of them came early, and five of them were by rear naked chokes. So maybe that's what John was hinting at uh, by choking him out. So. Yeah, Rumble Johnson looking to make a return February of March of 2020. So yeah, I think if he can, you know, get a win against Francis or, you know, the Black Beast, that really sets him up for some mega fights. And there's a lot that can go on there. So that'll be interesting to see how everything shakes out at heavyweight, light heavyweight. What's John Jones gonna do? You know, when's DC Stipe? going to have their rematch. Uh, what do you do with Francis Ngannou? There's a lot of questions that need to be answered at those two weight classes. So that'll be interesting. Um, also in the news, uh, we talked about this you know, several times, but uh, GSP came out, said if the deal was right, he would come back against Khabib. Um, for GSP and Khabib, I think both of them are similar and they, they just want big legacy fights. So they're not going to go take, they're not going to fight you know, guys that aren't going to continue to build their legacy. So uh, I've said this before, but I think if Khabib can get past um, Tony, which that fight has to happen, I think he's only got one or two more fights. So GSP and then maybe a Connor, Nate Diaz, Justin Gaethje, something like that. Uh, so interesting, you know, GSP is always in crazy, crazy shape and looks phenomenal. So, That'll be, you know, we, we, we need to get that, that fight booked, um, Khabib versus Tony, and that'll move everything along. But um, interesting to see GSP still wants to get back in there. Um, Kayla Harrison, it came out that she was 
she signed a deal to make, let me see, seven figures a year with the PFL. Um, yeah, that's a big deal. I, you know, I, I think if they can start, if the PFL can start, you know, affording to pay people like that, I think you're going to get a lot of big names, you know, maybe some older fighters to start moving over there. Um, you know, they could get some Frankie Edgars, Chris Weidman, Luke Rockholds, uh, Yoel Romero's, maybe some Cyborg, um, Gegard Mousasi, some of the older UFC pride, you know, legends that have been around forever. I think could go over there and, you know, win the million dollars. And then if they're getting that kind of pay, you know, if they can make five to $10 million a year fighting three or four fights a year, I think you're going to start getting some big names over there. So good on the PFL and good on Kayla Harrison. Kayla Harrison's a fucking animal. Um, you know, she's very, very similar to Ronda Rousey. She just looks very, very dominant, dominant, uh, super physical girl. So yeah, she's fun to watch. I like tuning into those PFL fights and, and watching her fight. Um, next we had Ali Abdelaziz, um, him and, and Abe Kawa, two managers got into it at the PFL fight. Uh, apparently Ali walked up, started talking to him and then sucker punched him and was escorted out. Um, not the first mix up Ali's been into. He got into it with Colby Covington a couple months ago. Apparently he got into it with Anthony Showtime Pettis at that same event. So I don't this guy needs to lay off the TRT. He's a obviously very, very successful manager. He talks a lot of shit. A lot of shit. You know, he's he manages some of the biggest fighters in the world. He's he manages Khabib, Sahudo, Justin Gaethje, Usman, uh, Zabit, Cody Garbrandt. Um, so I don't know. He just seems kind of like an arrogant prick um, and always seems to be getting in shit. But apparently the PFL banned him for the rest of the season just because he's always stirring up shit. Um, so that made some headlines. Abe Kawa, um, obviously him and his brother have a big management group. They, they represent Showtime Pettis, Mighty Mouse, George Masvidal, Yoel Romero, uh, Tyron Woodley. So kind of weird seeing two of the top managers mix it up at one of the fights. Next we had, oh, this is, this got me excited. Uh, Platinum Mike Perry came out in an interview. We'll listen to his interview. Let's see how long this is. Oh, I don't want to listen to this one. Eight minutes long. Uh, anyway, he was basically calling out Robbie Lawler. This would be a fucking fight at welterweight. Robbie Lawler versus Mike Perry. That would be a banger. Banger, banger, banger. Um, yeah, that'd be interesting. So Robbie Lawler was scheduled to fight Ponzinibbio. Uh, Ponzinibbio got scratched from the card with an injury. And Mike Perry looking to step in. Um, that would be, man, that'd be a great fight. I hope they can put that together. Next, we had Cody No Love was in an interview this weekend. Um, yeah, he's been out. He's been out a while and looks like he says he wants to get back in the ring in the octagon about March time frame. So, yeah, it's been a, a tough run for Cody Garbrandt. Um, you know, he was on pace to be a, a huge, huge star. 
he had some you know really really nice knockouts early in his UFC career. He knocked out Thomas Almeida, then Mizuki, then he had that just incredible five round fight against Dominic Cruz where he won the title. Um, since then, he got knocked out twice by TJ Dillashaw, and then yeah, those were both title fights. Um, and then he had a fight of a night, fight of the night versus Pedro Munoz, where he got clipped and put away in the first round. Uh, that was back March 2019, so it'll be about a year since he's fought. I'd, I'd like to see him back in there. Um, one of my favorite fighters. He's just a he's just an animal. I mean, he's a vicious, vicious fighter. Um, you know, he looks to put people away, and I always like watching him fight. And really. Uh, you know, he. I just hope he's improved. He's he seems to rush to fight sometimes. That's how he got caught in the TJ fight and in the Pedro Munoz fight. He, you know, he'll clip someone and then he rushes in to put you away and then he gets clipped and finished. So, um, yeah, Cody Nola. Hope hopefully he can make his return uh, sometime in March. That'd be awesome. Um, next, this was uh, very sad. Um, Boxer Patrick Day dies four days after being knocked out. Um, you're seeing this a lot the last couple of years in boxing. Um, Patrick Day, 27 years old, gets knocked out, I believe, in the 10th round. Um, you know, slips into a coma and then ends up passing away. So, um, man, very, very sad news in the boxing world. Um, you know, apparently Patrick Day came from a, you know, well-off family. You know, his manager was saying that he didn't have to fight. He just, he chose to fight. He loved fighting. He was a two-time national champion, a New York Golden Gloves tournament uh, winner. And the uh, he was a runner-up, I believe, on the 2012 Olympic team. Uh man, fucking, I hate to see this. Yeah, it's... It's brutal. It's for everyone. You know, the family of the fighter, the guy, you know, the other fighter that was involved in the fight, he's got to live with that guilt. The team of Patrick Day. It's just, it's terrible. It's terrible all around, but it makes you have a deeper appreciation for what these guys do in boxing and MMA. It's every time they go in there, they're putting their life on the line. And um, it, this is just the harsh reality of it. You know, it's, taking shots to the head and you never know. I mean, you could go in there and that could be your day, you know? So, um, very, very sad situation with Patrick Day. Prayers to his family and everyone involved. Um, next, I just want to give a quick update on Earl Spence Jr. We talked about last week the terrible wreck he was in in, in Dallas. Um, all reports are that he's fine. Um it's that's a miracle. That was a f- crazy, crazy wreck. He rolled his Ferrari, you know, three, four times and was ejected from the car. Um, it did came out or came out, I think, yesterday that he will be charged with a DWI. But he's lucky. I mean, he's lucky to have his life to be able to fight again. They say he didn't receive any broken bones or fractures. He has lost a couple teeth and has a couple cuts on his face. Uh, man, unbelievable. That is unbelievable. Um, man, that's crazy. So, yeah, 
Good good thing Earl Spence, he'll be back hopefully. Um, don't know when he'll be able to fight again, but um, pretty amazing that he was able to walk away from that. So, yeah, I don't mean to end on a sad note, but, uh, yeah, two kind of sad events in boxing. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much it for this week. We will be back. We might do a fight companion for the UFC Boston card tomorrow, so look out for that. Um, if not, I'll be ne- back next week, break down the fights, and look forward to some more upcoming fights. So thank you for tuning in. Please like and share and get the word out there. I'm going to try to do this consistently every week. I'm really enjoying doing this. So thank you for tuning in and catch you next time. Appreciate it. La, la, yeah. la, la, wait till I give my money right. I had a dream I could buy my way to heaven When I woke I spent that on a necklace I told God I'll be back in a second Man it's so hard not to act reckless To whom much is given much is tested Get arrested guess until he get the message I feel the pressure under more scrutiny And what I do act more stupidly